morning. Welcome to chapel. Are you ready for the weekend? Good, like 10 of you. Good, good. Well, it's good to have you today. We have the gospel choir touring today. We want to keep them in prayer. Several are traveling. They left about 5.30 this morning. Uh, so we'll keep them in prayer and just different members of our community. Uh, we have several guests with us today. Uh, pr prospective students here are here for Red Carpet Friday. Uh, as I said last time we had a red carpet day, why don't we just call them future ENC students? Uh, the Lord is telling us that you are supposed to come here. So, uh, will, you please, uh, will you please welcome them this morning? And their, and their parents, buddy. Well, I know you're tired. I know you're looking forward to the weekend, so thank you for uh, gathering with us to worship. Will you please stand? And I've asked uh, Megan Weaver to pray for us this morning. God, I just thank you for today, and I thank you that it's Friday, and um, I just ask that you be with the gospel choir if they're traveling to Virginia today, and I ask that you be with all of us in the rest of our days and our weekends, and I ask that you bless chapel today and bless the rest of our weekend. Amen. Good morning. Um, we're going to sing one out of the hymnal. Don't be mad. It's hymn number 453. So please sing along. We're going to sing the first and second verse together so it's not confusing, and then the third and fourth verse together. I think I'm just confusing. the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus for my part in this I see nothing but the blood of Jesus for my cleansing this I plead nothing the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of the blood of Jesus, not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus, this is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus, this is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious 
Door for 
Christ in me Jesus you're everything I need We're going to sing another hymn uh, O Come Let Us Adore Him number 136 
Thank you, Lord, for this day that we can come and worship you together. And please be with everyone safely today and through the weekend. And just not forget how great you are. All glory and honor to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take a few moments before um, our speaker comes today. We're not necessarily co-preaching, but I've asked him to bring the message today. Um, his name is Joel Tooley. He is with Youth in Mission, and uh, which is a program that allows you the opportunity uh, to serve the church globally for eight weeks during the summer. Um, I also found out before the beginning of chapel, he was Jess's Sunday school teacher when she was but a child, uh, which actually explains a lot now. Uh, that we, I'm just kidding. Um, the reason this is so important to me, not just this program, but I really have encouraged students over and over again to try to have an international experience while you're a student, whether that be a class, I know there's a medical missions class to Africa, and there's a good turnout for that, or whether it's a study abroad program. I, I really just want to encourage you to have some sort of international uh, exposure. I think it's just so critical uh, to your life, to your academics, uh, to your faith, uh, to be another part of the world while you're here at school. Uh, last year I shared uh, this story, so for those of you who have heard it, forgive me, but I need to share it again, what happened when I was a youth mission and I went to Hong Kong. And then one day, uh, for, well actually for a few days, near the end of our time there, we went up into China and uh, into Shenzhen and worshipped at a church there in Shenzhen, a government-recognized church. And they have eight services each day, and uh, it was a tiny sanctuary that maybe sat 100 people. And we got there, and they immediately ushered us to the front. Uh, I guess they could tell we were guests. And um, so th my team and I, we sat in the front row. And uh, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes before the service was to begin, I looked behind me and noticed that the sanctuary was packed. And there were two people, two or three people deep standing uh, around, much like uh, just around the sanctuary in a U-shape. And then I could see out into the street, and I saw maybe 10 people back just wanting to hear. And this is a church that has maybe eight services. And then because I was next to the window, I could look out the window and I could see the rooftops. And I saw people all along the rooftops surrounding the church, uh, just wanting to hear, just wanting to give praise to God. A few weeks ago, I spoke here at, at Walston Church and expressed that sometimes we need to look back to see that God was teaching us something that we weren't meant to understand or recognize till later in life. Uh, that we look back and realize there were gospel moments there. Uh, that God was already preparing to teach us something from that moment, even though we wouldn't even remember it from years, years from now. And as I look back, I realize that was one of those moments for me. Uh, for whatever the reason, I've, I've never looked at the church the same again. I've never had a critical spirit towards the church in any way, though she often falls short. And if I'm honest with myself, I am responsible. And so are you. We all fall short of the glory of God, and the church is not perfect. But as I sat in that service that day and saw people just longing to be close, saw people longing to want to worship God in a place where it's not as accessible as it is here, I realize now that God was shaping and molding me for this deep passion and love for the church and for God advancing his kingdom around the world. So you will see tables set up and organizations will come through and as long as they meet some simple requirements like they can assure us your safety and uh, they've got financial things in order, we want them to come and invite you to minister with them, whatever the organization may be. But I really want to encourage you and challenge to serve the Lord in another part of the world. 
if you can while you're here. So I'm going to ask uh, Jess Gibbons, former Sunday school teacher, Joel Tooley, to come and share with us this morning. Please welcome him. Pretty much Jess just had a heart attack because when you said, I'm going to invite Jess Gibbons, she thought she was on. I love this place. In fact, people ask me, I travel to um, eight of the Nazarene universities here in the United States each year and get a chance to interact with students like you and uh, professors and leaders in the community. And people say, which school would you go to if you could go to one of those schools? I didn't go to a Nazarene uh, university. I went to a very small smaller than ENC Bible College in Iowa, of all places. Uh, a lot of wonderful experiences available to you in Iowa. Um, but I always say, I wish I would have gone to ENC. I wish I would have had the, the knowledge. I wish I would have made the choice to do that. I love this place. I love the diversity here. I love where you're positioned environmentally. I love the exposure that students have to um, the wonderful cross-cultural opportunities in this community. Immediately, you can walk just blocks away and you can engage in a whole other world of experience. And so those of you who are considering ENC, this is the place. So don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about anywhere else. This is a great place to come to. So if you have your Bible, would you turn to John chapter 10? And I'm not going to read the whole passage, but if you look at the verses, um, even while I'm speaking, you can read through um, just that portion, really from John chapter 10, verses 22 through the end of the chapter, I'm going to really hone in on one verse, verse 27. Right before this passage, here's a group of people that have come to Jesus, and they're really trying to press him on proving what his identity is. And there are people in this room who could really expound this whole, uh, first of all, this whole gospel, but this whole passage much more fluently than I can. But this verse, God has really laid on my heart lately, and it's caused me to stop and to be a better sheep. I don't know, how many of you have ever been around a sheep, a lamb, before? Not a big farming community here, I realize that, but any of you been, you've been to a petting zoo, you've touched a sheep before, all right? They're actually quite um, stupid. <clears throat> My grandmother was a sheep farmer in South Dakota. She raised sheep and chickens. And sheep, they, they're very docile. They can't, they're not known for their uh, warfare. Uh, but they're really actually kind of dumb animals. And there are pre preachers who have preached extensive messages of how sheep are dumb and how they're like us. And I, I don't want to go that direction today. But I will say this, that sheep in their limited capabilities of what they do are al actually also very intelligent. They understand what's expected of them. And they do it. And they do it really well. Sheep are also smelly. Um, sometimes they're they just, they don't smell that great. But I'll tell you that they are a wonderful resource to humanity. They're a wonderful resource to God's creation. They're very peaceful to watch. I love sheep. I love it because it ties very closely to a lot of memories of my childhood growing up in my grandma's farm and, and all those wonderful things. But Jesus talks about sheep in this passage. Let's read verse 27 together, John chapter 10. It says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. While this text may have been written more about the people who weren't the sheep, Jesus focuses in on this chapter, on this verse here, and he 
has really laid this on my heart lately. There's three components there. Sheep, they listen to his voice. He knows them, and they follow him. In our very, very busy world, sometimes, um, you hear it all the time, sometimes you just need to slow down. You need to quiet your heart, and you need to listen. There's so much truth in that, not just because it's a spiritual thing, but it really helps us physically to be able to slow down. Sometimes uh, it seems like we hit a time of illness in our life when we're most busy, and we think, oh my goodness, this is the worst time I could possibly get this flu or this pneumonia or whatever. I'm so busy right now, I have so much to do. But in those moments, God allows us to slow down and uh, maybe spend some time at home just stopping and thinking and praying. My question to you is, when do you slow down? When do you listen to God? How often do you do that? I'm not talking about during two and a half segments of a worship service where we have the music gets a little bit quieter. Or at night, two minutes before you doze off and go to sleep. I'm not talking about those moments. When do you intentionally slow down? And quietly listen to the voice of God in your life. What's he saying to you? About three weeks ago, um, I was coming back to home. My wife and I are missionaries. We live in El Paso, Texas. We live in the United States. But our missionary assignment is really somewhat global in that we connect with university students like you, and we create conversations that allow you to explore the opportunities that God would have you to serve cross-culturally, either short-term through a one-week experience through your school, or eight weeks through youth and mission, which I'd love to talk with you about, or maybe longer term, three months, a year, a lifetime. And part of our job, most of our job is really spent in helping make those connections with people both in the United States and around the world, and developing leaders for our church around the world. But the reason we live in El Paso is we also help uh, facilitate what's called the Border Initiative. There's been a movement over 30, 40 years of this onslaught of wonderful, generous people going into Mexico and doing missions to them. And uh, unfortunately, it's caused a lot of uh, social problems within our churches, but also with just in general society. Good intentions, but maybe done the wrong way or not with a lot of thought of how this was going to happen. And so part of our role is to come and help um, adjust some of that and also to train new leaders. And I I tell you what, I'm humbled every time I'm with our uh, young adult leaders in Mexico who God has planted such terrific vision in them. And it's so great to be with them and encourage them and, and to guide their thinking sometimes and to give them the opportunities to really shine. God's blessing us there. Well, a few weeks ago, um, I met a, about a year ago, I met a, a director of an orphanage. And this wasn't just an orphanage that cared for abandoned kids. There's dozens of them in our city. In El Paso and Juarez, Mexico, it's really one large city with an international border uh, right through the middle of it. But there's dozens of orphanages, but this one really stood out. They have a strong emphasis, emphasis in environmental care. Their whole facility was developed using indigenous resources, right, local to that area. And they recycle their water. They recycle um, anything that's uh, reusable. Their energy is provided by solar and uh, wind energy. They've also developed, they had a physicist that developed a bicycle that transforms uh, the energy into electricity. And the kids that require physical therapy, one of their incentives to get out and do physical therapy is to be on this bicycle. Every hour on the bicycle provides nine hours of television. So, I mean, that's a good trade-off, right? 
Um, it's a great place. And their whole philosophy of caring for the kids and giving them skills. Uh, they're developing a farm there to teach them skills so they could go on if they needed to, live on their own someday. Um, but of course, one of their goals is to adopt these kids into families so that these kids can have a mom and a dad, brothers and sisters, be a part of um, a family, be a part of a church. That's one of their goals. While I went there with the intention of um, maybe finding an opportunity for places like for people like you to come and serve, use your gifts. One of the needs that they have right now, it's a very new facility, and they have this um, area that's kind of a spiral, inclining room. There's no ceiling in it, just the sky. And it's just all stucco walls right now. They're wanting some art students to come in and paint murals in there. And this is a place where students can, or where their children can go and just have personal, quiet reflection time. And the, the whole philosophy of what that means in their journey towards God and, and all that's really beautiful. But we're looking for an artist to come and help paint murals in an orphanage in Mexico. So I'm there and I'm listening to all the different needs that they have and how we can connect with them and how they can also inspire others to be involved in caring with people around the world. We walked into this room with all these little kids in there and they're beautiful children. Many of them have special needs. Uh, some of them are born with cerebral palsy. There's one little girl, her name's uh, Mary Peace, Maripaz. And actually today, she's having surgery at 1.30 this afternoon. Um, she is born with only 10% of her brain. And there's a medical um, company that's helping develop some things to help relieve the pressure that's in her, her skull. And so pray for Maripaz this afternoon, if you would, 1.30. But I met this little child, and we were there interacting. And there's a couple of kids that are very healthy. Uh, maybe they were born with some birth anomaly. And they're running around the room. And one of the little girls, she keeps coming back to me, and I pick her up and... We're talking in Spanish, and she runs away, and all of a sudden, I'm holding her, and this little girl, her name's Paulina, and she's born with her right arm missing below her elbow. And she's standing there, she's looking up at me with this cute little smile, and she says, Beso, Papa. So do you speak Spanish? It means kiss, Daddy. I told the director, I said, wow, that's good marketing. <laughs> she said, we don't teach our children that. They have a good sense of intuition. And I'm holding her, and I set her down again, and we interact throughout the morning. And I'm, I'm not uh, somebody who's really emotionally driven, and I, wasn't even, I didn't have an emotional response at that point. But God used that moment a while later. That day, I was so frustrated. There was another guy that was supposed to go with me. He's really kind of the strategist. I'm the one who um, connects people. But he's the one who looks at a project and says, okay, these are the things we need to do, and these are the resources, and, and now you take this information and bring people and, and get them involved with this. Well, last minute, he had something that came up, and he stood me up. And I thought, well, I've been telling this lady I'm going to come down there for months. So I went anyway. And I'm so glad I did, because God used that alone time to allow me to listen to his voice. Getting into Mexico it takes about five minutes to get across the bridge. It's about a half an hour drive from my house to where this uh, orphanage is. Going back, it's about a two-hour drive. An hour and a half of that is spent just on the bridge getting into the United States, going through the customs, waiting for all the cars, jockeying their way, trying to get in. And in that hour and a half amount of time, I was listening to the radio, and all of a sudden I, just, I felt impressed by God. I was rolling through all the things I'd seen and experienced that morning. I turned the radio off, and it was as if God said, are you serious about this? The week before, my wife and I and a group of people that we meet with in a, a house church um, we had committed a week of prayer, asking God to reveal certain passages of Scripture to us. This was one of those passages of Scripture that God brought to me. 
The other one that kept ringing through my mind was James 1.27. talks about the test of true religion, ministering to the widows and the orphans. That passage in my mind I had rationalized because we had really been involved with some uh, families, single moms, kids whose dads were disappeared, they weren't anywhere around. In fact, we had a family that lived with us for two months that uh, had gone through some domestic violence issues. And, and I was saying, yeah, we're doing this. We're ministering to the widows and the orphans, and that's how this is all going to happen. And we're doing it. Yeah, all right. Test of true religion. But in the quietness of that car on that bridge, God asked me, are you willing to listen to me? Of course, God, I'll give you everything. I don't hold anything back. Are you willing to invite one of my children that I've created into your home? Absolutely. No questions. Now, how am I going to explain this to my wife? (laughs) That night, I went home, and I shared with my wife and my kids. I have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And we sat on the couch, we were talking about the orphanage. I was describing the kids and different things and actually had a, some pictures to show them. And, and I got to this point of what God was doing in my heart. And my 10-year-old daughter, she said, how could we not adopt one of those children to be part of our family? Dad, it just makes sense. And my wife, who I expected to be somewhat resistant, she's a very open, wonderful person, but she's also like details. And she wants to think through things and methodically prepare But in a moment, she said, wow, if God's leading us this way, we've got to stop and listen. So I'll tell you, for the last three weeks, we've done more listening than I think I've done in my lifetime. But God, every day, has something new and something wonderful as I follow his plan. All right, moving on just a little bit here. There's a passage of scripture that has also been ringing true to me. If you look in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy 10. And, oh, I love this whole passage here. But Deuteronomy 10, verses 17 through 19. It says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Praise the Lord. We have a God who is just. Verse 18. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners. For you yourselves are foreigners. I look at this passage, and this was another um, kind of a ringing tone for me. I look in this community, and I think of what a place that so many groups of people from around the world and around the country have come to this city to make this their home, to explore possibilities, to be educated, to have jobs, to raise their families, to get education, to explore life. I think how wonderful it is that you're positioned right here you could, you could visit the world and not even have to go a mile away. Isn't that wonderful? I ask you this today. When do you listen to God's voice? And how often? And what is he saying? The second part of this is, God says to us, the sheep listen to my voice, but I know them. How can we live in such a way as to be in a relationship with Jesus that he actually knows us. If I want, if I really want God to know me, I've got to spend a little bit more time than the two minutes of prayer in a worship service or those moments before I go to bed or whenever you carve out those times in your day. Jesus knows us more than a Facebook status update. 
more than a tweet. He knows the deep parts of us. I'm amazed how many um, people announce their relationship status. It's complicated. So-and-so is related or in a relationship with so-and-so. Oh, really interesting. I'll have to send them a note and see what's going on. So much of our life is like that. And I'm not picking on Facebook. I spend probably seven or eight updates myself a day because it's on my BlackBerry. And I connect with so many friends, and it, it gives me great energy. I love it. But at the same time, I don't want my relationship with Jesus to be like that. Little bursts here and there, the funny stuff, the sad stuff, the up and down stuff. I want my relationship with Jesus because the scripture says he knows his sheep. Don't you want to have that relationship where, without a doubt, you know that God knows what's going on in your life. You're not holding anything back. It's all right there. God, use me. That's what I want. Even when we realize that he knows the deep things of our life, the reality that he still chooses us to be used as his hands, his feet, his voice, that's love. If there's anyone who should not be allowed to be the voice of our Lord, it would be me. I've said so many things that have hurt people. I've wounded my own family with my words alone. I'm so frail. But he knows me and he says, Joel, let's learn. Let's keep going. I've got so much to show you. I've got so much to teach you in your journey with me. Well, that brings us to that third part of this passage. It says, my sheep, they follow me. Well, in order to follow, there has to be a leader, right? I think sometimes we look at people in positions of leadership by whether they've earned that or it's been appointed to them. We say, they're the leader. The guy that's standing up in front is the leader. The person who has the microphone is the leader. The person who has the parking spot or the special room in the dorm, they're the leader. But there's so much more about leadership in this because it talks also very much about followership in this passage. I want to read a portion of a book that I just picked up not too long ago. I was had a couple hours to kill, and I walked into Barnes & Noble and walking through the culture section. It's a book called By the Lake of Sleeping Children, The Secret Life of the Mexican Border. And that's what really struck out to me. That's where I live. And most of my friends are either first-time, first-generation immigrants to the United States, or um, they're in the United States and they don't have documents. Uh, it's an intriguing insight into the life, especially for people who live in extreme poverty. It talks a lot about the children who live in the dumps and those kinds of things. And maybe some of you have been exposed to ministries that connect with them. But he talks about this pastor that he met with. This guy is not a Christian, but he, uh, he's a Mexican uh, writer, a journalist, actually lives in California now. And so this is really an, uh, a journalistic piece. But he talks about this pastor that he interacted from time to time who had gone to work amongst the children that lived in the dumps. His name is Pastor Vaughn. I'll just read one paragraph here. Pastor Vaughn continues his superhuman efforts on the border. I, co- I occasionally run into him down there. Recently, he was spotted walking into a church and looking at the uptight members of the congregation as they sat there in their suits and ties and sang their bland Baptist hymns. 
Very few of them ever ventured into Mexico with him. Some of them would send their kids, hoping to instill some sort of missionary zeal in them, as long as Vaughn did the dirty work for them. They turned to him with clean faces and mild smiles, awaiting a pleasant word or a blessing from this great man. Before he walked out, he had only one thing to say to them. He said, dead sheep, and he walked out. Dead sheep, wandering, selfish, too cool, good intentioned, distracted, busy. Dead sheep. I read that and I thought, oh my word, this secular piece says more to my soul about where I'm at in my life sometimes than anything else right now. Verse 27 in John 10 says this, My sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me. Where is Jesus leading you? If you're following him, he's the one that's leading. If you're following Christ, Jesus is the one who's leading. It's not you telling God where to go. God, if you go down this path, I'll follow you. If you choose this major, if you go this direction, if you lead me to that guy or this girl, I'll follow you. That's how it works with us. But that's not what this is saying. The sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I think that if we are really honest before God and we say, God, here I am. I'm going to be quiet today. I'm going to be quiet for a week. I'm going to find time each day. I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to remove those distractions. I guarantee you, he's going to lead you in a wonderful, exciting journey. And I also, I'll also guarantee you this. That journey will lead you through the path of others who need to follow him and listen to him. And he'll want you to love them. He'll want you to hold on to them and say, hey, let's, let's go on this journey together. That may happen in this community. That may happen on this campus. That may happen in another country. This summer, we send, um, we'll send about 20 teams, hopefully, of students who have responded and said, you know what, eight weeks, it's not that much time. During the month of June and July, we send university students from all around the world to go to places that have said, hey, we need some help. Would you come support what we're doing here? Will you work with us? Will you join us? We have national leaders um, in many of the sites that we go to. Some of our teams have partner um, sites. For example, uh, one of your team, one of your students here that went to Thailand this summer, Sarah was at a place where she had, uh, she was in Thailand, and there was a group of Thai youth that joined them on their team. They were one team. These are the kind of places that you go and you do stuff, but you also get to stop and listen to God speaking to you, giving you these moments that you learn from later on in life. Maybe you're interested in doing something a little bit longer than that. You're saying, all right, this is it. This is where I lay my life on the line. Say, God, I'll go wherever, whenever, however you want to use me, I'm yours. God has a plan for your life. He wants to lead you. Would you listen to him? Would you? This afternoon, um, I'm going to be over in the Linda Whitling Lounge. Did I say that right? Do you ever say something and you think, oh, that wasn't right? That was one of those moments. I'm going to be in the Linda Whitling Lounge, and actually from about 1 to 4 o'clock, every half an hour, 
you give me 15 minutes of your time, I'd just love to listen to your story, what God's doing in your life, and help you maybe figure out some of those pieces. Maybe you need to be part of Fusion Trip to Trinidad or to Mississippi. Maybe that's a step that God's saying, don't ignore me, I want you to go. Or maybe eight weeks in a creative access country where you go and you learn the language of the national people there. And as you do, you engage in a conversation with people and share your story of God in your life. Or maybe you serve in an orphanage in Mexico or working with kids affected by HIV and AIDS in Africa or teaching guitar lessons in Italy, whatever. However God wants to use you, would you listen to his voice? Back at the table here where they have some missionary books, some of our literature is there. There's just a plain white piece of paper that has about 20 sites on there. Fundraising is a huge issue. It's an enormous commitment to make this kind of step. We'll talk you through that and how we can help you and how God will provide. I have, ladies, would you just stand up for a second? There's three ladies here who went on youth mission this summer. We're not going to ask them to sing a special song, do a little dance. But if, you would, um, if you're interested in knowing what their experience is, I know they'd love to share with you. And probably some of you have already heard extensive stories. But these ladies uh, were in Ghana, in Vancouver, Canada, and in Thailand. And you've served in other places, perhaps. Share your story. Thank you, ladies. So this afternoon, 1 o'clock, 1.30, 2 o'clock, 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3.30. Would you come and join me? Uh, I'd love to talk with you about what God's doing in your life, where he's leading you. God bless you so much. Corey just said, are you going to finish your story? So, in about maybe as short as six weeks, Paulina, we hope, all the legal processes go together, is going to be my youngest daughter. She's, <laughs> she's two years old, she's beautiful, and God has a plan for her life, and we hope it is included in our life. So pray for Paulina and pray for us. Thank you. Great weekend. Be safe.